caveats before I start today's sermon. Uh, the first is I've got a cold. It's not the COVID. It's just a cold, but I'm not going to go very well this morning. The second is I did I prepped the wrong gospel reading. That one might be more of a problem. But we're going to see what we can do. I think I think today's actual gospel reading is pretty magnificent and powerful, and I, I want to think about it a little bit uh, for sure. But I want to think about today's gospel reading and today's epistle through the lens of the commemoration that you heard just there at the very end, uh, that this Sunday, the second Sunday of Pentecost, is in most places um, the day to commemorate the local saints. So it could be something as broad as all the saints of Romania, or it could be something as narrow as all the saints of St. Petersburg. You know, depending where you are, you commemorate your local tradition. This presents a challenge here in Australia, because, to my knowledge at least, there are no Australian saints. Hmm. This is a pickle. There are no Australian saints. How do we engage in this thing called orthodoxy that is so rooted in the saints who have gone before us in our place? How do we do that in a land that doesn't have them? Well, the short answer is, we got to make some. There won't ever be saints until some of us become saints. <coughs> Maybe all of us. Now that's kind of a tall order to come out and like, what are we going to do this week? Well, you're going to become saints. Except that is what we're called to do. We are all called to be holy as our Father in Heaven is holy. And so it is not ridiculous to think that Australia will have saints to commemorate, and they could well come from this parish. I could be looking at them right now. They could come from other local parishes, people that we know or don't know. Because we're all called to it. And it doesn't matter if we're in a place that has had generations, millennia, of people already holy. Because... And so, yeah, Australia doesn't have any saints yet. But it's going to. It is going to. Because orthodoxy is here. And if orthodoxy is here, then we are in that process of being sanctified by the grace of God, which operates beyond what we could imagine possible and in ways that consistently surprise us. So there will be saints. And there will come a day when on the second Sunday of Pentecost, we commemorate all the saints of Australia, or of Oceania, because there might even be some saints in New Zealand, too. It's possible. <laughs> Sorry, I do not mean to make fun of New Zealand. I hear it's a nice place. Um, I want to come back to that in a moment, but I, I, I want to think about what it means to need to become saints the, in the light of today's gospel. Now, the gospel that I prepared uh, was the calling of the apostles. And I was going to tell you about how this is great comfort to us, because we think of the apostles as great saints, holy men, who traveled the world and changed it forever. But when Jesus called them, they were a bunch of illiterate fishermen in the backwater of the backwater of the backwater. Just a bunch of, the, the word that keeps coming to my mind is schlump. Just a bunch of schlumps. That's who he called them. 
These guys out here fishing on some lake that isn't even very nice. And yet they are the people who, because they said yes when called, became what we think of as the apostles with a capital A. Andrew and Peter and James and all those others. It's not the people we expect or the people who are well qualified out of whom God makes saints. It is not necessarily something we can predict who will say yes and who won't. But saying yes to God's call, which is not just for the apostles, but is incumbent upon each and every one of us, is a matter of starting small. Starting as a, as a schlock. In this, in the liturgy, in prayer, in the psalms, in scriptures, in the lives of the saints, and not despairing because we're not there yet, but persisting that we go from something small, from a couple of fishermen in the backwater, to saints in Australia, to taking our place in this faith which has established the world. And so I want to emphasize that orthodoxy in Australia is small in many ways. But it's small in the same way that an oak tree is small when it's an acorn. It's small in the same way that the apostles were little people when they got started. And so, if we are to become saints and to make saints of Australia, it's going to be a matter of being willing to be small, to say yes, and to persist, even when it doesn't seem like we are at the standards of a St. David of Thessalonica or a Dionysius of Suzdal, or these great wonder workers and bishops. That's okay. That's not where we start. That might not be where we spend most of our lives. Most of our lives may be spent in a much simpler repetition of prayer and failure, of service and distinction. And so when we heard the gospel today, the actual gospel, not the one I prepped, from the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew, oh, magnificent, but confronting. When Jesus says, you cannot serve God and man. You can't serve two masters. It's God or anything else. You are either wholly full of light or wholly full of darkness. You are one or the other. There's nothing in the middle. No partways, no halfways, no maybes, no kind of, no sometimeses. It's absolute. And if we take that seriously, then maybe somebody's living up to that, but I certainly am. And we should take it seriously, because these are Christ's God and nothing else. And in doing so, let go of all the anxieties of this life. It's interesting that the kinds of things that Jesus talks about being anxious over are not luxuries. They're not the kind of thing that we, we probably think about in our lives, like, ah, oh, it should be simpler, you know, I shouldn't worry about. 
do I have a nicer car, do I have a bigger house? He said, no, don't worry about if you're going to eat tomorrow, or if you'll have clothes to wear. To be unanxious about whether we will eat tomorrow is, quite frankly, not human. We can't not be anxious about those things. Likewise, we can't not be distracted from God. We just can't do it. Our minds wander. Our bodies need food. We are distracted beings. But that's all right, because we start small. We start as distracted beings who aren't serving God wholeheartedly. And every time we fail, we repent. And we try it again. And the next day we repent, and we try it again. And the next hour, if you're anything like me, you, you try to repent, and you try to try again. And we keep at it. We persist. We persist in our failure to live up to the absolute demands laid out for us by our Lord. But in persisting, Little by little, the grace of God, the love of God, the absolute care that our Father in Heaven has over us, He who knows if a sparrow falls to the ground, and aren't we worth many sparrows, gradually that takes over, over the course of a lifetime, over the course of as many days and hours and years as we need to be made into people who are something more than human, who are deified, who are made like God, who don't need to be anxious, who aren't distracted, who are no longer small, who change the world. And patience with our own failure and inevitable inadequacy. If we can persist in that, and by God's grace, there will be saints in us, right? And when there are, they will be surprising. And that's a good thing. Because if we're open to repentance, it means we must be open to surprise. Because the nature of repentance is that someone who did terrible things is becoming different. Someone who will not do terrible things. And you can't judge them any longer by that past, but by what they're becoming. Saints are not saints from birth. I know it sometimes sounds like it in hagiography, but I mean that's 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 a way of reflecting on how holiness that they have achieved over long times has kind of illuminated their whole life as though they were holy. But no, have you ever met a person who is always holy? No, no one has. We become holy. The saints become holy, and in doing so, they do it in all kinds of ways. There's no one way to be a saint. This is very, very, very important. In the final blessing, we hear about all kinds of saints, martyrs, ascetics, a bishop or two, not many bishops, but every so often one makes it in. Uh, married saints, the ancestors of God, Joachim and Adam. We hear about all kinds of unusual lives in the stories from the cynic Sarion. Lives ranging from Monks who lived in caves for 40 years to St. Mary of Paris who hung out in the brothels. Not to work there, but to 
happens to them. There is no one way to be a saint. Thank God. There is no one place that has the uh, priority of orthodoxy. There's no one tradition or language or group or empire or community or whatever it is. There's no one that has the lock on this, that we have to be like them to be orthodox. No, we have to be like us to be orthodox. And it's something I really love about this parish, which is that we are very different people with a lot of different backgrounds. The Greek background, Romanian, Serbian, British, even British saints, indeed. American, we'll do what we can. But we're all different. And that's a good thing, because the saints are all different. Holiness is the same. That's the weird part, in a way. Holiness is the same. To become a saint is to become like God. And in a sense, we all become alike. But the alikeness doesn't do away with our individuality. And so when there will be Australian saints, they will reflect the lives of this country. Maybe they'll be English speakers. Maybe they won't be. Maybe they'll have a background in relation to some other Orthodox country. Maybe they won't be. I don't know. The ways to holiness are many, even if holiness is one. It's, I'm going to close with this. I've been thinking a lot about mosaics lately. I like mosaics a lot. If you've ever seen a mosaic, you look at it from a distance, it's gorgeous. You have the picture, it's all glittery. You get up close, and it's just a bunch of little stones, right? They're not even the same shape. And they're different colors, and there's, some of them are shiny, and not even the same shape. And they're different colors, and there's, some of them are shiny and some are not. And if you were to look at any one of those stones, you might say, well, it's a, it's a shiny stone. That's pretty. That's good. But only when they're all together do we have the image. And, all, and the image could not exist without each and every one of them being present. <coughs> and yet the image is greater than any one of them. And that is like our faith. It's the reason I think our faith loves mosaics. That each of us is one of these stones. Uneven, frankly broken and shattered most of the time. Maybe shiny, maybe not. Different colors and shapes and sizes and all that. And each of us must be present in our own unique way. But the picture that emerges when we are all present is something greater than any of us. And it's greater than any one look or one style. And so when Australia has saints, they will make a little bit more of that mosaic. And it will be a little bit more beautiful. And so I encourage you this week to persist in failure, to be patient with yourselves and each other, to delight in the things we share, in the things that make us different, and to know that all of that comes together in our faith, in orthodoxy, in its Catholicism. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.